0: Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the BT Powerhouse podcast. This is number 66, uh, a little eerie, (laughs) but it is Friday, May 27th. My name is Thomas Bendit. I am, excuse me, coughing a lot today. I am the manager of BT Powerhouse and co-host or host of this podcast. We have a a great podcast today that I've been really excited about pretty much all week. (laughs) They, uh, the NBA draft deadline, obviously was earlier this week. We got that out of the way. Um, A lot to take away from that event, good and bad for the big 10. I'd say overall uh, far more good than bad. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to look at the, the overall numbers, but you know, just, just on the last couple of days of the deadline, you know, Nigel Hayes returns. Blackman comes back. Andrew White comes back. Melo Trimble comes back. Vince Edwards, uh, Caleb Swan again. The only the only big uh, loss was Troy Williams for Indiana, who most people had already kind of speculated probably was going. I know I had speculated a couple of weeks back that he was probably going. So not the most surprising declaration but certainly a a notable one and as well uh the other the other big thing we want to hit on today which is always the juicy topic is the power rankings uh look ahead to next season type of thing (laughs) um you know with with all these declarations you know we have a much clearer picture on how next season is going to look in the big 10 that will certainly be good and bad for teams but, um, uh, you know, there's a lot to take away. So that, you know, a lot to discuss, I guess, is, is the main point here. Um, but we're going to have two, two great um, co-hosts on here from our BT Powerhouse staff. They've been on the last couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to have Gianna on um, and also uh, Ryan. Um, but it looks like uh, we have our first first co-host on here we're waiting for for other ones so uh how's it going gianna
1: good how are you doing
0: doing well doing well excited on friday um you know, you can't be upset can't be upset with the weekend coming on especially memorial day weekend um and as well shout out to the vets obviously appreciate everything you do um don't want to forget what it's it's really about but um do you have any big plans for the weekend here
1: uh, just hanging out with my family. Um, my family's in town for the weekend, so it'll be good to see them and just um, relax. The weather's supposed to be beautiful outside. I'm looking forward to spending the weekend outside.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That has to be the. Uh, I'm sure that a lot of people are doing the same thing, so it should be, it should be fun. Um, but we'll wait on Ryan here. Um, not sure what's going on with him, but <laughs> um, so let's start jumping into some of these NBA draft decisions. Let's let's first talk about the guy who left. Troy Williams uh, departs Indiana. wasn't the biggest surprise, but certainly a notable loss. You know, he he's done a lot for the Hoosiers over the last couple of years. Was a big part in that Big Ten title last year. Uh, what were your thoughts on his departure?
1: Um, I wasn't surprised just because so many people had speculated that he was leaving. I mean, I think he. Um, was a good, definitely a big contributor in Indiana's run in the Big Ten um, this past year. I think looking forward to next year, they definitely will miss um, his play on the court. But it wasn't very surprising to me. <laughs>
0: yeah, I I agree. You know, the the one thing about him is that you know coming into the last season, a lot of people were talking about him as a lottery pick. You know, coming into his junior year. He had all this athleticism. He had all this length. Uh, he played quality defense. He could block shots, but he never really blossoms out of that. You know, he was he was a huge player for Indiana. There's no debating that. You know, in, at least on offense, you know, he was one of the most utilized players. But to me, his bread and butter was always in transition. It was kind of being that diverse player who can, you know, give Indiana that uh, extra boost on the wing. You know, not not a lights out three point shooter. He did get, I want I want to say he got a little better. I'm trying to look at his numbers right here. Uh, no, he actually regressed a little bit in terms of percentage, but he shot a lot more shots, which certainly implies that he improved. But you know, I I haven't seen him projected too highly on the the draft boards, but he'll certainly be in that conversation to end up in the field on on draft night. So that'll be something worth watching. Maybe the Big Ten will get another draft pick here. But
1: uh,
0: Indiana, you know, switching lanes onto the other side, though, uh, talking about some of these guys who opted to come back. uh, You know, we might as well hit on the other Indiana guy. James Blackman announces he's coming back. Not surprising at all. It was kind of surprising that he declared, to be honest, in my opinion. Uh, What were your thoughts on his uh, return?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm happy he came back because I was a little nervous about uh, how he would do in the draft if he went. I think he was a good player last year, but because he was an underclassman, and there were so many upperclassmen that he had on that team, Yogi Farrell, all these guards that were able to do so much. He was definitely a contributor, but I think he, um, this year will really be the year that he'll have the chance to break out since he'll um, have the chance to compete for a starting spot and definitely um, make his name and, and um, succeed tremendously in Indiana.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he, he he put up some big numbers. He was he uh, he did a lot, you know, early in the season before he got you know got injured and, and missed a lot of time, but you know he's still a great shooter, which every NBA team wants. You know, Indiana will certainly they need a good presence in the backcourt with Yogi Ferrell departing. You know they have a lot of options. I don't know if they have any surefire great options in the backcourt for next year, but you know between um, I'm trying to trying to think of the whole group here. Uh, you know, they have Josh Newkirk, the Pittsburgh transfer. They have Deron Davis coming in. Robert Johnson should be back from injury, you know, with Blackman back. There are plenty of guys to put together a pretty good lineup there. I know some, a lot of people have projected Blackman to start at point guard. We'll have to see how that shakes out. I'm not as confident about that as others are, but you know, if, if he can do that, I, I think that would help up, help out a little bit on the defensive end as well. Give them, He won't, he won't have to defend, I guess the bigger guys as much, you know, he doesn't have the greatest defensive reputation. (laughs) So, uh, but overall a big return for Indiana. I think, you know, you have to think Indiana, even losing Williams, they still came out well on this draft with Anobi and Bryant coming back and now Blackman. So talented team in Bloomington coming back. We'll hit on how we think the team overall is going to shake up a little bit later, but uh, moving on to the the next one here, Andrew White returns for Nebraska. To me, similar situation, but um, you actually wrote about his return. Uh, wh- what do you think of this one?
1: Yeah, I'm really happy he came back um, for another year. I was honestly um, pretty sure about it um, because he graduated from Nebraska this past year, so he's coming back for his return season. But I think it's really a huge return for Tim Miles, um, obviously they didn't have the best season in the Big Ten this year, but I think they—they're adding the uh, Louisville um, guard Anton Gill is coming, and they have Ty Webster. So Indiana's back. Or, um, sorry, Nebraska's backcourt is going to be um, pretty loaded next year, and I think they should definitely have a shot to to make some noise in the Big Ten. I'm not sure how much, but definitely um, improved from last year.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing about Nebraska is you know on paper their team is improving its talent level. You know, they, they do lose, uh, you know, they lose Benny Parker in the backcourt and they lose uh, Shields who was, you know, just a star the last couple of years. So I, they're not going to replace Shields. I don't think there's any debating, but you know, they're, they're getting Gillen the Louisville transfer. They're going to have white back Glenn Watson, who had a really, really nice freshman year, even Jack McVeigh McVeigh who, um, Shout out to him as well. Uh, He's been really nice to BT powerhouse the last couple of years, but uh, he, you know, he, he even had made a little mark as a freshman. It's going to be interesting to see how these guys fit together. You know, they have, they have Jacobson up front. They have, they have some options in the front court, but I, I have a feeling they're going to push white down to the four and they're going to bring Gill in to fill in either at the two or three, however he fits best. But It'll be interesting to see how he performs there. You know, he was, frankly, he was the team's out shooter last year. Really the only great shooter on the team. You know, Shields had his moments. Some of the other guys had their moments. But he was the only really consistent threat. So I think that'll be interesting to watch, how he performs sort of out of position, quote-unquote. But we'll see. You know, maybe one of the front, guys, front court guys will step up and push White back out to the three. But moving on to our, our next... Our next two returns here. I'm just going to group these two together just because uh, they're both from the same school. So Vince Edwards and Caleb Swanigan both returned to Purdue. You know, there I wrote an article actually early last week about how they are going to hold Purdue's entire season in their, in their hands with their decisions. And, you know, obviously it broke well for the Boilermaker fans. Would you make these two returns and, as well, uh, which, which one of these do you think was the most more important one?
1: Um, I'm both. I'm happy that they both came back. I think um, both have a lot that they can still contribute. Um, I think for me, I was more happy to see Swamiean come back. I think um, Purdue is really defined um, by their their big men by their ability to um, really charge in and get a lot of points in the paint. And Caleb Swamiean had a big role in now this year so I'm really
0: glad to see him return mm-hmm. yeah I, I definitely think Swanigan has to be the the bigger guy here just because I mean I know you know he was an inconsistent outside shooter he had his flaws you know he turned over the ball too much he, he there were times when he just took some plain ugly shots you know he would launch a three that he had no business shooting but he was still a fantastic player as a freshman you know monster on the defensive boards he was really good inside he improved his efficiency when he got later in the year I think if he can improve his three-point shooting a little bit or just reel back some of those crazy looks I, I think it would be a massive boost for him as a player and I wouldn't be shocked you know if he's sitting right around you know 15 and 10 or so a game next season I, I think he's that kind of player as, as well Vince Edwards. Um, or I should say Vincent Edwards, the player formerly known as Vince Edwards, um, since he, I guess he changed his name in the the Purdue database or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, they, Purdue really needed him back. He, he did so much on the wing last year. He was a nice three-point shooter, but, you know, he's another guy who he does need a little refinement does need to improve a little bit. If he can kind of increase his usage a little bit and hold close to what those numbers were last year, I think it would be a, uh, a massive, massive, uh, win for Purdue. And then, you know, you're talking about Isaac Haas, Caleb Swanigan and Vincent Edwards, all in the front court, which you're going to be hard pressed to find, uh, you know, any teams, you know, I'm sure there's a couple, you know, maybe Duke, maybe Kentucky or Kansas, but, Uh, there are not going to be many front courts that are even close to that, that kind of production. And, you know, they have a bench as well. So big win for Purdue. I I don't think anybody in the big 10 came out better of the draft declaration period than Purdue. They get both of those stars back, which, which was huge news for them. Moving on here to the, our, our last one, unless I'm missing someone, which I could be, uh, the, the last guy to say he was coming back, he seemed to do it right at midnight. But Mel Trimble, Maryland star, last season's preseason Big Ten player of the year. Uh, he didn't quite live up to the hype, but, you know, major, major college basketball player returning to Maryland. Uh, what, was, what was your reaction to this one?
1: Uh, I'm also glad he's coming back. I think just for him to have another year to develop. He had a really big standout freshman year regressed a little bit in his sophomore year, so I think it's really important for him to come back and just have another year to develop and another year to really shine and to lead uh, the Terrapins this year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of mixed on whether he should come back or go. I, I really could see both arguments on him because just because Maryland is losing so much this season. But putting that aside, you know, this is something Maryland really, really needed. If, if they lost him, they were legitimately going to be on the bubble, if not lower next year. I know, uh, you know, some of the Maryland guys are pretty confident and, and bullish on, on their team coming back next year. But, you know, there's just so many question marks on this team, just because, you know, when you lose four starters, and if Trimble had gone to, you're losing five starters. It's just, unless you're Duke or Kentucky, that is not something you can just overcome even if your bench was solid, even if you're bringing in a good recruiting class, but to get him back, now you got a proven scorer in the backcourt. Now you got a, you know, an elder statesman, so to speak, on the team who can lead you and push you. And I, I like how their front court's coming together. So I think having him is really going to help things. And as well, one other note about Maryland, they did pick up a commitment from Justin Jackson, former UNLV commit. He's a four-star forward. I think he can play a couple different positions depending on how he develops, but another, another big boost for Maryland. So a great 48 hours or so for the Terps, they pretend, they get certainly one starter back. They might've just added another. So they're starting to starting to turn uh, the right way there after a couple rough weeks with uh, Robert Carter and diamond stone returning or <laughs> heading off to the NBA but one other one, I, I did forget about this. I knew I was forgetting about one guy. Nigel Hayes returns to Wisconsin. Forgot about it because he kind of announced uh, a day or so earlier than the other guys, but clearly a massive return given what Wisconsin already has. Uh, any any thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, also I'm happy about this. I was a little nervous that he might have um, stayed in the draft because he had a lot of mixed reviews about it, but I think this um, – Nigel Hayes returning just gives Wisconsin a chance to really contend for the Big 10 title next year since they have all the returners coming back and they they proved this year that they have what it what it takes to to make some noise and I think um this upcoming season could really be their chance and Nigel will play a big part in that.
0: Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, when you look at their roster, there are certainly some question marks about how much better guys can get. You know, you're going to need Ethan half to take another step. You're going to need some of those freshman returners, you know, like Iverson, um, Charlie Thomas, you know, a couple of guys like that. You're going to want to see some more development, but to get a star player back like Nigel Hayes on a team that's already returning so much and was up, frankly, pretty good last year tells a lot and certainly bodes well for, for their chances next year. But speaking of chances next year, um, yep. Perfect segue. Uh, (laughs) Um, moving into next year. Um, I'm currently working on my, my updated power rankings for next season. I I don't want to reveal my whole rankings just because nobody will read the article then, but, um, (laughs) uh, let, let, let's get into you know some of these some of these groups here because you know with these NBA decisions out of the way, with a lot of these recruitments shaking out, you know the late deciders in the last couple of weeks, there isn't a lot that's going to happen between now and next season. You know maybe a guy gets injured, maybe a suspension, something like that. But overall, the rosters are largely set how they're going to be for next season. Um, so let's let's jump into these. Uh, Right now, let's just start with the top. Uh, You know, for me, I I still think, you know, in my first set of power rankings that I did literally right after the season, the the top four contenders for me were MSU, Wisconsin, Indiana, Purdue. I haven't changed those a lot. I still think those are the top four teams. I still think those are the top four teams by a decent margin. The only thing for me is I, I do think MSU dropped a little down um, with Deontay Davis going pro, uh, with, um, I'm trying to remember, uh, there's something else I'm forgetting about, but, um, oh, they missed on, uh, Josh Jackson as well. You know, they had, yeah. had um, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, they, they lost a lot, uh, they're going to lose a lot to the NBA draft. So I I think I would knock them a little bit back, but right now, I mean, I still think those are the top four teams by a decent hunk. Um, Any disagreement there? Any thoughts, anything to add? No.
1: Yeah. I I agree with you. I think they really, um, those who are going to be in the top next year, definitely.
0: Mm -hmm. And how, how do you see that, that sort of shaking out? I mean, because it, it's interesting, because each one kind of has their own element. I mean, MSU has this like crazy recruiting class coming in. You know, Wisconsin has all the returners. Uh, Indiana, they just they have such a deep team. I mean, there's so many options, and then Purdue has this crazy front court. Um, do you have any thoughts on how those teams might match up, or?
1: I think it's gonna be really interesting. Purdue. Matched up really interesting, like had some really interesting matchups last year when they played with that heavy farm court. And I think that returning is just gonna um, be really interesting to see. They definitely had all the tools they um, they needed last year, and now this year they're really gonna have a chance to um, to do some damage up there. I think um, seeing how uh, Purdue matches compared to teams who um, use more of the outside, so like Wisconsin does a lot of outside shooting, Michigan State does some outside shooting, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see how Purdue plays against teams who are primarily outside shooting
0: teams. And and one of the things I'm a little interested in is because, you know, last year it was kind of like fire and ice anytime Indiana and Purdue would play the last couple of years, because you knew Purdue was just going to pound it inside. They were going to be tough defensively, but they weren't going to be great outside the arc, you know, but Indiana on the other side was going to be great outside the arc. Um, now they might be getting a little closer. You know, I know Blackman's back. You know, we talked about how great of a shooter he is, but at the same time, you know, they're losing Yogi Ferrell. The, they lost Troy Williams, and and really the strength of their team, at least on paper, is going to be the front court with Anobi, Thomas Bryant. Um, do you do you see it going to be a little rougher and a little more physical up front with Indiana and Purdue this year? Oh yeah, definitely.
1: They also Indiana was a backfield. I think I'm butchering his name. Um, who was a big <laughs> yeah, player beautiful. as well. So I think, yeah. So I think that's going to be um, a really interesting matchup. Two very physical teams, two big rivalries, and a lot of action will be taking
0: place in that front court for sure. Mm-hmm. And and the interesting thing too, I I think is like both of them are in similar situations in the back court. I, I think Indiana's sitting better because they do have Johnson back and they do have Blackman, but um. You know, you don't have any proven stars in that group, regardless of what people will say about how Johnson played last year. You know, Indiana does not have a proven star in the backcourt, and Purdue (laughs) certainly does not. Uh, You know, they're losing Davis. They're bringing in Spike Albrecht from Michigan. Uh, They have a few guys like P.J. Thompson coming back. But a lot of question marks in the backcourt, so that's going to be something interesting to watch with both those teams. Um, Before we move on here to the middle for a little bit, um, do you – what – on the other side of things, you know, all four of these rosters look pretty good. They all look like talented teams. If, if something's going to go wrong with these four teams, uh, is there anything that, that stands out to you on what might go wrong with these?
1: Oh, gosh. um well, I think <laughs> um, injuries can definitely play a factor. I think uh, Wisconsin is built really strongly right now, but, you know, one or two changes in, um, in their backcourt or in their frontcourt could really – Change a lot of things. and I think if I um, mean really, I think injuries would be the biggest effect that they would have. It seems like to to take it because I think they have enough depth on the roster, but it's um, the further down you get, the more interesting it gets. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly. I I think to me, at least from the injury perspective, um, I I think Indiana might be the best suited to handle the injuries just because how deep they are how many quality options they have, at least at least on paper. I mean, again, some a lot of their bench next year is going to be, you know, newcomers, so you can't guarantee they're going to be good. But at least on paper, I, I think they could absorb injuries the best. The At least for me, the big concerns, you know, you have to start with Michigan State for me. You know, when you're bringing in all these freshmen and you're really going to rely on the, the young guys, I, I think you do have to at least – feel a little nervous about that I know we've seen Kentucky we've seen Duke we've seen Arizona we've seen a lot of these teams bring in freshmen and just thrive from day one but it's not it's not always easy and a lot of these teams you know they don't get their act together so to speak until the postseason you know Kentucky a couple years ago when they made the championship game against UConn they were a disaster for most of the season. You know, they they came in, they were ranked top five, but they didn't do anything, you know, frankly speaking, until the postseason. So I, I think you have to be a little wary of that as well. Michigan State's court is going to be a massive question mark with Costello gone, with Deontay Davis gone, with Marvin Clark and Java and Best gone. You know, those are two bench guys there too. So it's going to be up to Schilling. It's going to be up to guys like Nick Ward. So that would be one team that I'm a little – I am still high on Michigan state. I still think they're going to be good, but there definitely could be some growing pains at least for the Spartans, just due to the youth, but certainly a, a lot of talent. And as well, as always, you know, we talked about Purdue with, with so many question marks in the uh, in the backcourt that that could be an Achilles heel again. You know, I was talking about it with a couple of Purdue guys earlier this week, everybody, all the Purdue fans think the backcourt's going to get better. Generally speaking, I do. I think bringing in Albrecht is going to be a big boost. I think P.J. Thompson getting another year. Mathis getting another year. Ryan Klein getting another year. It's going to help. But Davis is also the guy who played the most minutes of anybody in that group. He's graduating. That's a big piece to replace. Johnny Hill is also gone. You know, no guarantee that it's going to improve. So I I think that's the one thing to watch with them. But moving into our second group here, sort of the middle uh, at least for me, I think in this group uh, you have Michigan, you have Ohio State, um, Iowa. I'm I'm not sure on two teams, but I'm just gonna throw them in here just because I'm not totally sure on them. That's Illinois and Maryland. You know, Illinois was looking up. They just lost Kendrick Nunn. You know, you know what? I'm gonna bump them to the, my next category. But um, uh, <laughs> uh, and then Maryland, just so many question marks. But uh. Any thoughts on any of these teams, or what you see out of them?
1: Yeah, I think the middle is the interesting part, and the part that I've had the hardest time ranking um, out of the Big Ten this year. I think Northwestern's another team that could really come up and surprise people in the in the middle of the Big Ten and quietly make some noise. Um, Ohio State has a lot of transfers, and Illinois is very questionable still, um, with the dismissal of Kendrick. Not although they do a lot of good returners, so I think it's just a really the middle is just one big huge
0: jumble (laughs) you're gonna get me started on Northwestern this early Um, (laughs) just just to hit on some of the other teams before I get into Northwestern too much I don't want to get on a tangent or anything but um, Michigan Ohio State I think are in extremely similar situations both teams have the vast majority of their teams back certainly the vast majority of the big contributors but both of them are going to have to figure out the benches. You know, they have a lot of newcomers uh, there, and neither team was exactly excellent last season. You know, Ohio State was in the NIT. Michigan was a first four team. They they won their first four game, but got eliminated by Notre Dame in the round of sixty four. So neither team is exactly a proven commodity. I personally, you know, as a Wolverine, I, I feel higher about Michigan, obviously, but I, I think both of those teams are are in similar situations. Both have a lot of pieces, but it's kind of a question mark of what are those pieces. So I, I think the big things for them is just watching how the benches kind of come along and if any of those guys can take a step forward. Uh, moving on to the other two, you know, Iowa and Maryland, both of them have potential Big Ten players of the year returning with Peter Jock and Melo Trimble, but not a lot proven around them. Both, you know, Iowa, I like their front court group. I think Bears going to be good. Uh, I like uh I, I I like to I like pretty much almost everyone in that group. You know, there's question marks about how they uh what do I want to say? you know, like Don Mule, uh Wagner, guys like that. But they're gonna have to play a lot more minutes. So it'll be interesting to see if they're as good with, with more minutes. And Maryland's, you know Trimble fixed a lot of their problems. You know, we've talked a little bit about them, but um last team to hit on though, Northwestern. Northwestern is really interesting because uh, <laughs> I, I, I think they're I think they're going to be improved, and I think this is the year where you're finally going to see the improved play. I'm just not sure what that that is actually going to mean because you know they went 20 and 12 last year, but they were a massive fraud for most of the year because they had such a crappy non-conference schedule, um, and I think they got exposed a lot when they played in the Big Ten, but you know they should improve. Virtually everyone's back. You know they have um, Brian McIntosh back. They're going to get Vic Law back from injury. But losing Ola in the front court is also a major loss that I don't feel like a lot of people are talking about. But I, I think they're going to be improved. But again, you know they didn't make the NIT, so they, they're going to have to get to sort of that range first before we can. At least for me, I, I feel confident in the you Know the yearly question about if they're going to make the tournament. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, um, any, and I guess it's similar to the top group. Do you think there are any major weaknesses in any of these teams or anything you see falling apart for any of these groups?
1: Um, not really. I think, um, they're all they all have um components to be worried about, which is what leads them, like you said, Michigan Iowa with their bench is a concern, um, obviously. Um, Maryland with um, Mel Trimble being their only returning starter. And Northwestern, a lot of people are worried about um, Alex Ola. I am not, um, (laughs) just because I think that Chris Towns will finally be able to play man man defense next year, which will be able to help them, Mm. because Alex Ola was primarily why they were playing that zone, chameleon, whatever they're calling it. Um, And so I think that's not I don't know how big the deal it is. I think it, they should be okay, and they also have a good center coming in. They had multiple Big Ten offers, and they're Benson, so I think that should be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ohio State is just Ohio State. I, I don't know. They made it to IT. <laughs> they're they're always. I feel like they're going to be a bubble team again this year. It really just depends on how the season shakes out, and really how well the class that they're bringing in is able to develop. I think that'll be crucial with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, and those are, those are good points on Northwestern. I definitely, it will be interesting to see how, how Benson, you know, I, I thought he was a solid player in high school. So it'll be interesting to see how quick he can play. They do get pardoned back as well. You know, Falzon was good as a, as a freshman as well. Um, and, and Lumpkin as well. So there's there's a lot of pieces there. I just, I'm just hesitant, I guess is my only, <laughs> my only thing. I'm I'm just hesitant. So we'll, we'll see. But, um, I guess I'm hitting on the last couple of teams here uh, real quickly. Um, Illinois, as I mentioned, Penn State, Minnesota, um, and Nebraska, and I will save Rutgers for last. But any, any thoughts on any of the, this group, um, what you kind of see out of them, what you could see as potential pitfalls?
1: Also a good, a very interesting group that could go a lot of different ways. Um, Penn State is bringing a really good recruiting class. Uh, Minnesota also is. They're bringing in Amir Coffey, who is going to do, I'm sure, great things. Nebraska is returning a lot of players, and we sort of talked about them before. Um, I think Nebraska, the biggest thing that will really determine where they sit is ultimately the chemistry on the floor with how Tim Miles chooses to put um, the different players, where, how he chooses to use Gill and um, Ty Webster and then Andrew White. I think that will be really interesting and probably determine um, – kind of where they go, and Illinois is just a toss-up. Um, I mean, <laughs> I feel like at this point, there's just a lot of question marks all over. Um, I'm blanking on the guy's name who just got his sixth year of eligibility.
0: Uh, Mike Thorne. Uh,
1: yeah, Mike Thorne That'll be a good return for them. But I I feel like they're still – they showed that they could be good last year when they played in the tournament, but it'll be really interesting to see how, how they shake out.
0: Hmm. Yeah. The the thing about Illinois, I guess to start with them is I, I think they have the most potential out of any team in this lower group, at least again, the, these are just sort of off my offhand rankings here. You know, obviously there's nothing official or anything, but you know, they have a lot of talent. They have pieces at just about every position, but you know, they've had pieces at about every position the last couple of years and they haven't really done anything with it. And, and as well, you know, losing Kendrick Nunn, you know, whether it was the right decision or not, is going to have some negative effects on the court. You know, he was a yeah. massive contributor on the wing, you know, big time scorer, uh really good three point shooter. So to lose him is a hit. I know they have Coleman lands coming back. I know they have Hill coming back, but you know, now you got to replace another starter. Uh, you know, maybe Leon Black can step in there after kind of a, a hectic field, field last season. But um they're an interesting you know they have the talent but i'm I'm just i'm very they're a team that I'm very skeptical of because i i'm I'm just I'm not sure where all of this improvement is coming from because you know they've had a lot of these guys I know they had a lot of injuries last year I know they had guys in and out consistently but um having more pieces isn't always you know equals more success i guess is my my analysis here, I, that may sound kind of counterintuitive, but you know, you can only play five guys at a time. A lot of the teams, you know, there's a lot of research that shows a lot of the teams with the deeper benches, you know, we always talk about how, Oh, you need to use your bench, but a lot of times you're playing your bench because your starter isn't good enough to play 30 minutes a game. And the thing is, is like Illinois has all these guys coming back, you know, they're adding a nice recruiting class, um, you know, at least a a really good point guard who I, I think, could help solidify that position. But, you know, having five okay guys, you know, behind, uh, you know, competing for uh, two or three spots isn't necessarily as good as having two really good guys and uh, one okay guy, (laughs) I guess, to kind of put it simply. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see if any other other guys can step up as a star Hill is a legitimate star We'll see if he can kind of turn into that. You know, I said on our last podcast, he needs to become more of an all big 10 guy. I don't know if he can get there this year. We'll see, but he needs to do that. And then they need another star to step up. Certainly with none gone, you know, maybe it can be Thorne. He he was really nice in his time, limited time last year, but uh, you know, Coleman lands, I'm sure is the other guy who's going to get a lot of attention, but it'll be interesting to see. They're one of the more intriguing teams in the big 10, I think this year, but you know, they're going to need some guys to kind of separate from the, separate from the pack, I guess, on the the bench group, but hitting on a couple of these other teams, you know, Penn state, you talked about the recruiting class, you know, arguably the program's best recruiting class, certainly since the recruiting rankings have been a thing, but they're going to be a very young team. They're not coming from necessarily the greatest place the last couple of years. So um, they, they got a lot of room to, a lot of room to grow. But, uh, and the loss of Brandon Taylor is going to be a big hit. I I think they're going to be good or at least closer to that NCAA tournament level next year. I I think this year they're going to kind of be what they were last year, but it's going to be more exciting because, you know, it's a lot of young guys instead of uh, the elder statesmen, so to speak. Minnesota, another team, sort of like Illinois. Um, Well, maybe not super like Illinois, but they got a lot of pieces. It's just about if they're going <laughs> to fit together at all. Um, I'm not, I'm not super optimistic on Minnesota. Um, they've been going through a lot of crazy stuff off the court the last couple of months, but they do have Jordan Murphy. He was one of the best freshmen in the big 10 last year and uh, Nate Mason as well. So at, at least you got a couple of guys to work around there and we'll kind of see who can develop around them. But at least they do have two two nice pieces coming back this year instead of just one last year. Nebraska, you talked about you know a lot of a lot of pieces there, but not necessarily the most proven so an interesting group um who i i guess to to kind of spin off of that out of this group who who do you think has the most potential i guess out of the the these four teams illinois Nebraska. Minnesota and Penn state, who do you think has the potential, most potential out of these four teams? Like if I had to, you know, you had to wager on one of these four teams to make the NCAA tournament, who would you, who would you bet on?
1: Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think it would be between um, Nebraska and Illinois. And I think I'm going to go with Nebraska. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I think Um, they have a lot of depth and the addition of Michael Lewis is really going to help them um, make that transition. And I, and I feel like um, Tim Miles just um, has the coaching that he needs. My concern with Illinois is really what you said is just developing. They have a lot of good individual players, but it's developing them as a team. And I'm, I just, I'm very nervous about that going into next
0: year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of mixed. Uh, I'd say I, I I think Illinois is probably the de facto choice, but I'm not necessarily super high on the line. I'm making it. So, um, yeah, yeah. I might go Nebraska as well. you know, with shields, with Gill, I think that's a great two, you know, one, two punch. And then you got, you got a good point guard in Watson. um, It'll be interesting to see kind of what goes around those guys. <laughs> um, you know, they have Jacobson, you know, I mentioned maybe Andrew white moving to the four next year, at least more consistently, I should say. So that'll be something to watch, but you know, they have, they have guys with star potential uh, at least three of them. And, you know, if if you have a backcourt like that, you certainly are going to be in a lot of games. So, and, and as well, you know, they have a really good home court advantage. So I, I think I would probably go with Nebraska as well, but I will say I, I haven't looked at any odds, but I'm, I'd be willing to bet. Illinois probably has the best odds of that group right now, but I, I will go with, with Nebraska. Um, but let's, let's hit on the final, the final um, team here. I separated them uh, purposefully because I genuinely do think they're going to be in their own category this year again. And that is Rutgers. Um, what, I guess to be optimistic here, you know, I, I left them for last, which is already kind of a downer, but um, how, how good can Rutgers be? I guess uh, what can they do if, if everything goes right? What do you kind of see out of them this year?
1: Um, well, I think their record will probably be at least a little bit better than next year. Um, bringing in their new head coach, the, uh, Steve Pinkle, I'm not sure how to pronounce that name, mm-hmm. but I think he'll be a really great, um, that they did show in some games last year that they were able to compete with a lot of Big Ten. They took Illinois to triple overtime, I believe. Um, uh-huh. And Corey Sanders is a really good guard. He's able to play very well. He, take, he carries the team on his back. So I think um, if he continues to develop, he'll really be the leader in the backcourt and really just the leader on the team. Um, outside of Corey Sanders, I think they have a lot to develop over the off season. Um I think some guys have the potential, but it's just—it's really going to be how they develop in the off-season and how they look with their new coach and just new, the new—the way things are going to run over there.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things. You know, I had um, Dave White on from on the Banks, which is SB Nation's Rutgers site. Uh, I want to say a month or so ago, right after they hired Pico, and the honest truth is that unless they have a surprising addition here over the next couple of weeks, this is just going to be a really rough year. Um, there's just no way around it. There's just, there isn't enough talent on the team. That's, that's just the truth of the matter. You know, they're losing, you know, I guess to start out with, again, you know, I, I don't want to rail against Rutgers too bad. I seem like I do it all the time, but you know, they finished in terms of Ken Palm's rankings, you know, they're 291. They And they jumped up a few spots towards the end of the year. But they're basically right around 300th or so in the country, which is not good at all. That's not even close to being, you know, competitive. You know, Minnesota, who, again, they won two Big Ten games, and one of them was against Rutgers. So they really won one Big Ten game outside of Rutgers, and they were – like 70 spots higher than Rutgers. So, um, which I think just says all you need to be said, you know, Illinois or uh, Penn state was the next team at 146. So they're basically double, you know, 150 spots a teams behind Penn state who was not a great team last year. So, you know, really bad team. And they lose two starters off that team and they lost some transfers. So the thing is, is like, even if you have some pieces, you know there isn't going to be a lot of growth from what was a really really uh, rough roster last year. Having said that, um, they do have at least a couple guys. You know, Mike Williams is a decent player. You know, you mentioned Corey Sanders. He's a he's just potential star. I think he's going to put up major stats this year. And they're bringing in a couple of late additions. I don't know how ready those guys are for the next level, but. You know, you can't I, – I think the truth of the matter, and most Rutgers fans will admit it, is that you're really not going to start to see any progress until 2017-18 just because the roster was so um, devoid of significant talent. And that may sound like a, a big shot at Rutgers. It's not meant to be. It's just more of the fact that, you know, if you're just an average, how many of these guys would have started on an average big 10 team last year. And frankly, the only one who I think would have started on even some big 10 teams would have been Corey Sanders. I think all the rest would have been backups at best. So I I think, um, you know, you need more starter quality guys. I think they're going to get that. I think there's a big incentive on trying to recruit locally. I think that's going to pay dividends in the years ahead, but it could be it could be another rough year, but you know, as you said, I think they'll be a little more competitive um i don't certainly don't think they'll be two hundred and ninety first on Ken palm again, you know at least if they can start trending in the right direction <laughs> um instead of the wrong direction that'll be uh that'll be positive, but it could be another rough year um for the scarlet knights but um but with that we've we've sort of hit on the big ten uh as i mentioned i'm gonna have another set of big 10 power rankings here in the next week or so, hopefully Monday, but um, I refuse to commit to that because I may want to enjoy weeks. But um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but with that, uh, Gianna, do you have any final thoughts here on the kind of NBA draft deadline, how things are looking heading into next season? I think I'm just
1: really excited to see how it's all going to shake out. There are so many question marks, but I think that's what makes it so exciting. It's not really knowing where a lot of these, Team San, I think the Vidcon
0: is just going to be a lot, a lot of fun to watch next year. Yeah, I mean, they're uh, unlike the last couple years where there was always one team that seemed like the unanimous favorite coming into the year. uh, That is not going to be the case this year, which should make it fun, and should make it a lot more interesting, I would think, instead of one team getting all the hype, but. But uh, with that, I, I will let you go and uh, let you enjoy your uh, Memorial Day weekend. So thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: <laughs> thanks. Um, as a reminder to everyone, that was uh, Gianna Marshall. She writes for BT Powerhouse. I, I think she has a, a clip on the the front page at the moment. But otherwise, you know, there's still a lot of action this offseason. We're starting to close in on the NBA draft. Uh, attention and hype and excitement. We'll kind of see how that plays out for the Big Ten. I'm sure there's going to be infinite number of draft projections between now and then, but, you know, a a lot of action even on the recruiting trail. You know, Maryland got to commit. You know, the 2017 recruiting started to heat up, so definitely continue to check out BT Powerhouse, and we'll have those power rankings up next week for everyone to check out as well, but Um, Again, enjoy your Memorial Day weekends for the vets out there. Thanks. We appreciate your service. And um, definitely, you know, go have a a couple rounds or a couple hot dogs or cheeseburgers or whatever you want. (laughs) It should be a, a great weekend. But thanks again, and we'll see you all next time.